0: Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back in the program with all of our listeners today, and we are just thankful to have this opportunity to be together once again. Here in Search the Scriptures, we really do dig deep into God's Word. If you're listening for the very first time, we pray and we hope that that will become apparent to you very quickly. We don't just spend some time talking about religion or talking about the Bible. We study the Bible together. And we're thankful to have this opportunity with all of our listeners on a regular basis to dig deep into God's Word. Not just look at it from a surface-level perspective, but to really dig deep, get beneath the surface, look at it in detail, try to see what the deeper meaning really is. A whole lot of people, they hear Bible taught, they don't really do much studying of the Scriptures themselves. We want to help you get past that and help you really get into the scriptures. They're God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And what that literally means in the Greek is that all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, you get the sense of the word of God coming right from God's mouth if you can conceive of God, the Spirit, having a mouth, you know, and speaking in that way. Well, that's something that's accommodative for us, accommodative language that we can relate to and we can understand. But the point is that it is God's very word that we read when we read scripture. We want to help you learn his word more deeply, more fully, more correctly. That's really, to a great extent, what we're dedicated to here on Search the Scriptures, as the name would suggest. Now, bottom line, we want to bring God glory on this program, in this ministry, but we want to do that by teaching his word accurately and effectively, by helping you come to a better understanding of what the scriptures really do communicate. Now, we try to do this on a regular basis, and as we explain the scriptures, we try to get the, the definition, the explanation, the descriptions across in a way that is easy to understand and yet makes sense for your daily life. So we do pray and we hope that you are learning, that you want to continue to study God's Word, and that you will continue to listen to the program. Now, those of you who have been listening for quite some time you pretty much already have picked up, most likely, on what I've been talking about. Well, it's always going to be that way as far as we're concerned. We're always going to stay true to this course and to this mission and this goal of getting across God's Word effectively and accurately. We appreciate hearing from so many of our listeners, and we do hear from many. And we're thankful for that. We pray that you will continue to listen. Now, if you would like to study the Bible more closely on a personal level, then be sure to have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. At the end of the program, as we always do, we will give you information by which you can contact us, and we will send you a free Bible study through the regular postal mail. And when we say free, it is exactly that free. We don't want you to send us anything. We'll even take care of the postage. Just ask. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and you can jot down that information and then contact us as we, come, as we come to the end of the program today. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD for free, and again, we'll take care of the postage. We want to help as many people as we can learn God's Word more effectively And thereby help them come closer to God we want to help you get to heaven that we really want to do we care about you God loves you we pray for you and we really do pray for you today we're going to begin a new course of study so to speak we've entitled this particular study asking a question what should we do well if we just ask that question and we did not make a specific application then we would be left wondering, what are we really talking about when we ask the question, what should we do? What we want to focus on today is an area of life that is very real and is very repetitive, and that's criticism. Criticism is a normal feature of life in this world. We hear it all the time. We see it all the time, and it seems as though it is becoming more and more commonplace and we're hearing it on a more repetitive basis, and probably because of the instantaneous ability to be able to pick up news and commentary over cable television, but also over the Internet and through Facebook and tweeting and all kinds of stuff like that. We just have this open line of communication that's there all the time now, and a whole lot of it is devoted to criticism. Criticizing individuals, criticizing some particular ideology or philosophy or way of life or some country or whatever it might be, but it's just continual criticism. Unfortunately, it seems like negative news gets the biggest headlines, and so it seems that the news media seem to just really uh, push all kinds of negative commentary and news features. And that's unfortunate because it ultimately shapes our thinking and it also shapes our way of life. Criticism is a normal feature of life in this world, but we need to stop and ask ourselves about about what criticism is really about. Why is it there? Why do we hear it? Why do we receive it at times? And every one of us, and this is where we really want to focus uh, in this particular study, every one of us receives criticism in our life. And probably quite a bit from the time we are old enough to understand that somebody's putting us down or correcting us in some way or just outright criticizing us for the sake of criticizing us until the day that we die we're going to continually be criticized. We're going to continually receive criticism. Now some of that criticism is constructive, as we call it. When you're constructing something, you're building whatever that is that you're constructing. And so constructive criticism is based upon somebody trying to show you a better way or pointing out a mistake so that it can be corrected so that whatever you're doing or saying or attempting to do will be better now that's constructive criticism and that's good parents engage in constructive criticism with their children telling them you know little johnny little susie no that's that's not the way to make your bed let me show you how and they're doing it in love they're doing it with patience and kindness and compassion but they're trying to help them, or they're helping them with their homework. They're doing their mathematical problem, and maybe it's a multiplication problem, and they're writing down five times nine, you know, equals 42. And here comes mom and dad, and they say, now stop and think, is it really 42? Five nines, is it really 42? Well, of course, we know that it's not, but we're Offering them some constructive criticism. Think a little harder. Take a little more time. Don't just write down the first number that comes to your mind. Stop and think and ask yourself, is that correct? And so then they come back and Johnny or Susie says, Oh, thank you, Mom and Dad. You know, it's 45. And so they get the correct answer. Well, constructive criticism meant to help somebody. Sometimes criticism is just plain neutral. Perhaps it's made with, without much first-hand knowledge or concern, and maybe it's mainly a comment about something observed. They're not necessarily trying to build somebody up or help them do a better job, and they're not trying to tear somebody down. They're just observing a particular point and commenting upon it, and that can be good as well because we can learn from that. Oh, I did not realize that. Oh, thank you for making that point. And so we can correct whatever it is. The person is not trying to tear us down, not necessarily trying to build us up, but they're simply pointing out something that they notice. And then there is destructive criticism. And this is what we really want to talk about in this particular study. How do we personally react to destructive criticism? This is criticism that is intended, now get the point, it is intended to point out error or a problem. Now that's not bad, that can be constructive criticism or it can be neutral criticism, but you see the difference between those two kinds of criticism and destructive criticism is that destructive criticism not only points out the error or the problem, but it does so with the intent of emotional hurt, and even possible damage to a person's integrity. You see, the point is not just to show where the mistake was, but it is to hurt the person in the process. There's a motive behind it that is wrong, that is ungodly. Now, this is a very negative kind of criticism, obviously, and it's usually born out of, as I said, a bad motive. How do we deal with that? And especially as a Christian, how do we deal with destructive criticism? Somebody out to hurt us, and unnecessarily so most of the time, but they're out to hurt us. That's their motive. They want to put us down, want to tear us apart. They want to cause us pain. They want to you know, pull us down in the, in the eyes of other people around us. They have a motive behind what they're doing that is ungodly. It's destructive. So what should we do as a Christian when we're confronted with destructive criticism about whatever it is that's being criticized? Now, particularly, I want us to focus on what should a Christian do when confronted with destructive criticism about his or her Christian beliefs and practices? You know, we run into this, particularly if you're trying to talk about God, if you're trying to talk about the Bible, if you're trying to help somebody see what God's Word says about a particular matter, oh, it's common for people to turn on you and try to criticize you in a destructive manner. They don't want to hear it, or they don't want to hear that maybe they've been mistaken in what they have believed, how they have lived, You know, there's a common lifestyle in our culture today, in this country, and that is a man and a woman living together. I say a man and a woman, it can begin at a very early age, in teenage years, maybe 17 or 18 or 19, but they're living together without being married, but as though they are married. Now, not too many years ago, that was openly recognized and shunned as being outright sin, fornication, the scriptures put it. Sexual immorality is perhaps a better translation. Today, it's as common as anything. And it's not only kind of ignored or winked at by most people in our culture, it seems, But in a lot of cases, it's accepted as good, perhaps even praised. Well, what happened? What happened? But if you stand up and say, no, look, you all need to stop that. That is sinful. That is ungodly. That is against God's will. Well, then you are liable to be criticized in a destructive way put down as being narrow-minded and bigoted and hateful and maybe all kinds of other descriptive terms to intimidate you in what you're saying and shut your mouth up. How do we react to destructive criticism when it comes to our Christian beliefs and practices that are being criticized? Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Beginning with verse 16, we read something that really ought to strike us. These six things the Lord hates. What? The Lord hates some things? Oh, yes. And it doesn't stop with six. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven, are an abomination to him. Now, that term abomination is perhaps even stronger than the term hate. These seven things are an abomination to the Lord. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans. Now that could fall into the category of destructive criticism a lot of times. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Well, again, that could describe destructive criticism, criticism meant to hurt somebody with a bad motive, a false witness who speaks lies. Again, that can fall into the category of destructive criticism, false criticism, unworthy criticism. And then the last one, one who sows discord among brethren. Well, again, that can be part of what could be described as destructive criticism. That could fall into, you see, about four different categories there of the things that are listed that God hates, that he finds to be an abomination. If something is an abomination to the Lord, if there's something that God hates, we need to learn what that is and then make sure that we steer clear of that that we do not take part in that. And what we're talking about in criticizing somebody with an ungodly motive or through an ungodly motive, that is something that we could find to fit into about three or four of those categories of the things that God hates. Jude. Jude, there's only one chapter in that short letter We look at verses 16 through 19. And here we read These are grumblers, complainers. Does that sound familiar? People who are destructive criticizers? Grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, Remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts these are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit now James or rather Jude is talking about a specific application here he's talking about people who are going against our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, perhaps even Christianity and God. But the broader application of the principle, I think, applies to what we're studying about. Anybody who is a grumbler, a complainer, you know people like that, don't you? It's not pleasant to be around them, is it? Unless you are also a grumbler and a complainer, and then misery likes company, they say. (laughs) I hope you get the point. But notice, walking according to their own lusts, a lot of times people who are engaged in destructive criticism are people who are out for something, some kind of gain for them, and they think that they can build themselves up by tearing other people down. Notice also that it says uh, that they're mockers, mockers, and part of criticizing people in a mean spirited way, is mocking them. Mocking them. Now, notice also that uh, uh, they're sensual and they cause divisions. And especially when it comes to Christianity, division is condemned over and over again. Nobody ought to be engaged in something that would purposely lead to division between the true followers of Jesus Christ. Now, notice it says that they're flattering people to gain advantage. Flattering people. So, building somebody else up, perhaps. Telling them, you know, how smart they are, how good they are, you know. Praising them for some accomplishments. And then, at the next turn, telling them about somebody else and criticizing them and putting them down. Now, that's not how we ought to be acting as Christians. We ought not to have that kind of ungodly mindset that we're looking for ways to put people down and especially to build us up. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes, from which which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk idle talk. Well, does that not fall into the category of somebody who is critical of others and trying to stir up strife, trying to beat somebody down verbally, trying to cause them pain, and perhaps much of the time there's little substance to what it is that they're criticizing. They may be telling lies, as we talked about in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, one of the things God hates. They're stirring up strife, agitating, and again, to hurt somebody else, purposely so, and perhaps to build themselves up in their own eyes in the process. Now, as Christians, these kinds of motives have no place in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, or followers, if you have love for one another. So Jesus says first, we need to catch this, this is not a suggestion, a good idea, a neat rule of thumb, he says this is a commandment, that we love one another as he has loved us. Now he's speaking to the apostles here in this particular text, and he knows that the next day he's going to be hanging on the cross. So he loved us, loves us enough that he gave his life for us. And he says that we should also love one another as he has loved us. And then he says the love that we display toward one another will be a great evidence of who we are and what we are, Christians, to the world, the unbelieving world around us. Powerful, powerful instruction. We need to take that to heart. We need to learn from it. and We need to make the proper applications to our lives. Now, we kind of laid out the principle here. Beginning with our next program, we want to talk about how do we respond to negative criticism. Now first, as we've already said, there should be no place for that in our lives. We should never be engaged in destructive criticism for the purpose of hurting people. Now as we continue this study, again, the question is what should a Christian do when confronted with destructive criticism about his or her Christian beliefs and practices? We do hope you'll follow along in this study. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. And you can ask for that free Bible study. You can also receive a copy of today's program through the regular postal mail. And again, we say free, we mean free. We'll take care of the postage. So write down that information and then contact us. We'd love to hear from you right away.